The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. Okay, if you're out there right now and you're hearing me and you're saying, what happened to Joyce Bender? I am Joyce Bender, but I'm recovering from a chest cold. It's me, don't be worried, no impersonation. Hey, I have to say this first before we start. You guys rock. You know that? You are awesome. This is how people, they underestimate the disability community. They make this mistake all the time. You, not me, you have made this show number one on Voice America over three to four months in a row. You have. And I want to thank you because it is because of you, it's because of our support for unity, which is what we're going to be talking about today. You know, if we would all get together, oh, look out. Think what would happen if we all got together. You're a good example of that, and I just want to thank you so much for what you've done to help me. And this is an exciting day to talk about unity. It's an exciting day in America. And all of you listeners, if you don't know about this story, you're going to be so excited. We have guest with us today to talk about what I believe is one of the greatest grassroots, make it happen, programs or projects that got started in America. It's called It's Our Story. And Scott Cooper, are you with us? Yes, I am, Joyce. Yes, Scott Cooper came up with this idea, and I know when he did that there were Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, that'll really happen. Hey, he made it happen. He made it happen. And we also have Miss Rebecca here with us. Hi, Joyce. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I am fine. And listen, this is not confirmed. I'm making that, just as I said this about Christine Griffin, just as I've said this every time we talk about Kathy Martinez, But Miss Rebecca Hare is going to be, when confirmed, the Assistant Secretary at OSERS. Actually, Joyce, the correct title is I'm the Special Assistant to the Assistant Secretary. Special Assistant to the Assistant Secretary. And I don't care what she is because I'm going to tell you what. Talk about someone that rocks. Oh, my God. Wait till she gets over there. You haven't seen anything yet. Congratulations, Rebecca. Thank you, Joyce. I just want you to know, Rebecca, everyone in America with a disability is so proud of you. And when this is confirmed, we will be making a national statement. Now, Scott, did you have anyone else joining us today? Um, Unfortunately, Victor 
can't get a landline from Dubois. He's over there doing his Fulbright scholarship, so uh, it's going to just be Rebecca and I. Well, Victor, Mr. Hernerwart, sorry he could not, but he can be on again when he comes back. So, Scott, this big project I'm talking about, before we go into all of that, would you mind telling our listeners throughout the world this question, why? Why did you become an avic? Because you know, I have epilepsy. We all have disabilities, but not everyone chooses to be an advocate. What made you make that decision? Well, I think the choice was pretty simple. Being a parent of a child with a disability, a muscular dystrophy especially, it uh, sets in early, and you learn right away that uh, things have to be done a little bit differently than the rest of the children. So uh, it, it all began at home. You know, truthfully, and and this is just an extension of uh, coaching uh, my son to become a man. You know what I always say: give me the parent of a child of a disability, and look out, look out. Um, I, I want to mention something about that. Uh, last week in New Orleans, I became officially the chairperson of the board of the National Epilepsy Foundation. And as you might guess, I'm so excited about this, being that I have epilepsy, following in the footsteps of my mentor, the great Tony Quello. But, you know, when I have gone there and met parents of children with disabilities, and I've asked them this question, some of them have said to me, well, if we didn't do something, we didn't feel anyone else would. Now, Rebecca, what do you think about that? I think that's partially true. I also think there's a big demand from the next generation of leaders with disabilities um, that in growing up, essentially, we have what we're seeing for the first time is the ADA generation, the first generation of young leaders with disabilities that have grown up um, with their rights and responsibilities from the ADA and from IDEA. And, you know, sort of an unintended consequence of all the good work that we've seen with social inclusion and inclusion of young people with disabilities in the education system, what we're also seeing, though, is that they're lacking knowledge about the disability rights movement and disability history. And they're actually demanding it um, all over the country. You know, to date we've had six states pass laws requiring the inclusion of disability history and awareness as part of K-12 public education for all students. And (coughs) we have, you know, seven or eight other states actually working on legislation as we speak. And in each state, it's young people with disabilities saying, I have a right to know this. All students in my school have a right to know it. And how can we make it, how can we make it happen? Oh, my goodness. That is so awesome to hear that. Because I want to tell both of you that, as you know, at Bender Consulting Services, we employ people with significant disabilities. But we also, year-round, have interns in the office. And they are people with disabilities, high school students with disabilities, college students with disabilities, and some with not, without disabilities that we want to go back to the schools, back to the universities to, you know, really spread the news about what we're doing. I will never forget the first year when we went around the room at the end of the summer and I was saying to everyone, well, what did you learn the most? And Bill Babe, who is the son of the CEO of Bear, the son of Greg Babe, who's an awesome young man, um, he spoke up and he said, well, Joyce, I'll tell you what I learned. I learned they don't teach any of this in any of the schools. 
because I never heard of Tony Quello, Justin Dart, or any of these people that you talk about. Nothing. Zero. And, you know, I was so shocked, and I guess I just didn't think about it. So I'm really glad to hear that, Rebecca. And I'd just like to add one one thing to this conversation. It's the responsibility of the parent to realize that there's a due cultural uh, effect going on with with your children, and you may be in an uh, able-bodied world temporarily, but uh, a child with a disability really needs to know uh, their peers, their struggle, their history, uh, so they can claim their identity and and move forward with uh, uh, success in their lives. Yes, I I agree with you 100%. Well, you're going to help us do that also, Scott, with It's Our Story. So why don't you tell our listeners what it's about. And listen, if we get cut off at break, when you come back, we'll keep going over it. Well, It's Our Story is pretty simple. It's a video oral history project that uncovers the pride, power, and challenges of being disabled in America. By October of 2009, 1,000 people from across the land will have contributed their voice to what it is like, was like, and should be like to live in America with a disability. Now, it's found its, it's, found its incarnation uh, by my son uh, struggling with going into a wheelchair. And uh, I, as a parent, couldn't really tell him what it was going to be like the rest of his life living in a chair. So rather than saying, oh, you should get in that chair and make life easier on you, we did a 14-city tour and interviewed 31 friends of Ed Roberts. Well, halfway through the tour, uh, he came to the awareness of his own awareness that life isn't going to be bad. It's going to be as fulfilling as he chooses it to be. And upon that moment, I came to the realization is why should these stories affect just one child when we have the technologies available in our world of Twitter, YouTube, MySpace, Facebook, to really have every child introduced to the leaders of their their disability community and their history and 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 learn something that you just cannot learn uh being surrounded by uh, your able-bodied family. And uh, basically, it's, it's people talking to people about what life has been and should be like. And therefore, uh, uh, with this information, we cannot repeat mistakes of the past and like in every family has their family stories that that uh, shape every, their future. So I'll let you ask me any questions after that. Well, I want to tell you first, Scott, in behalf of all Americans with disabilities, I want to thank you for doing this because you didn't have to do that. It is amazing the inspiration that can come. But, boy, it really turned into more than just People telling your son, this is what it's like to have a disability. This became, as it said, our story, a disability cultural story. This is really the history. This is really a beautiful thing that you've done. So, you know, and you're a I champion doing that. I have to the title to Molly Blank. She was about interviewed Wade Blank's uh, wife. We were sitting here in her uh living room about midnight after doing a day of interviews. Because after we did the Friends of Ed, we did Friends of Wade and then Friends of Justin. 
in the ensuing two quarters, and then it just became friends of friends. Uh, and uh, very poignantly, she stated, you know, when I asked her, what would you like to see of this project? And she said, well, bring the story back. It's not our, it's, it's not our story. It's their story. So driving over to Topeka to do another round of interviews, uh, that's how, that's how uh, the, the name of the project evolved from taking a stand while sitting down to it's our story. That is awesome. And we're going to talk more to Rebecca and to Mr. Scott Cooper, founder of It's Our Story, right after break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You can hear more about this exciting program. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every single day at voiceamerica.com. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. Hey, if you just joined us, you're in for a treat. We have been talking to Scott Cooper, the founder of It's Our Story, and to Miss Rebecca Hare, who has and has always been a civil rights leader for Americans with disabilities. And Rebecca, you've been working with Scott? Yep, we've been Scott's D.C. home for the last four years. And how did that get started with you, I mean, working with Scott? Scott contacted us because he had heard that we had been working with a number of young leaders around the country to have disability history required as part of K-12 public education um, and got connected with us. And we've continued to work together both in terms of sort of serving as a, a reference point for Scott to connect with young leaders all over the country um, and also sort of 
you know, serving as, as a home base for Scott when he's here in D.C. with the It's Our Story project. Part of the Youth Information Training and Resource Center that we run here, um, it's, part of its mission is to continue to support efforts related to disability history and awareness. Well, you know what? I w- this would be so f- fabulous to be able to have parts or all of this, however you would do it. How long is it going to be, Scott? How long will it be? Well, I usually when I start a project, I have a really good exit strategy. Uh-huh. Well, this project uh, can go on forever. But the first milestone that we're trying to achieve is is uh, on the anniversary of the ADA 20th anniversary, July 26, 2010. 1,000 oral histories will be released be released to the online world. Uh, personal stories of of uh, being disabled in America, as well as uh, being an ally to people with disabilities. For many reasons, but let me tell you one other one. Uh, Rebecca, I don't know if you, re- if you remembered that over eight years ago, I started doing volunteer work for one of my customers, CSC, in Delaware, who had been approached by the school districts that they wanted a school-to-work program. And they asked for their students with disabilities. So they asked me if I would design it. And, you know, I did it for this one year. I'm going to do one year, just this one year only. Here I am eight years later. Now I'm also doing it in uh, Pittsburgh at two different places. It's called the Bender Leadership Academy. I do this on a volunteer basis, and I do it on site at a company so that, you know, the young students have to go there. First they go to Disability Mentoring Day. Then a month later they come and they meet me and they already have their first homework assignment, which is what would it take to be a good employee? And then they come every other month for the next four months um, and they have homework assignments in between it about initiative, writing a resume, how to get a job, et cetera. And when I first did this, I thought, okay, this is not I did this one time. Uh, but then at the end, I told this story to Andy Imperato when I saw how they changed and how they got jobs and how close they got to me. But what really, really made it turn into a bonfire is when I found out how many of them had attempted suicide, bully side, because they were bullied so much in school. And when they see this type of thing, they see their other young people or what people have gone through, I really believe it will be inspiring to them. And Joyce, this is Rebecca. Part of the impetus for all of this great work going on around the country as it relates to disability history and including it in public education um, really came from a young man that we were working with in the state of West Virginia um, who when we were looking at what sort of project we wanted to run, he said, what could we do today that 35 years from now would get people with disabilities jobs? What could we, you know, and, and where do we need to go? And somebody brought up the idea, well, you know, you got to get to kindergartners because you can teach kindergartners just about anything. And when you're young, you're, you're basically a sponge. So if we can teach a kindergartner today that disability is a natural part of life and that disability is part of diversity, years from now when that kindergartner is running a Fortune 500 company, they're not going to think twice when they're interviewing a, can- a qualified candidate with a disability. The, and the other piece that you mentioned as it related to... Excuse me one minute. You are right on the money. 
because I will continue doing this. Don't get me wrong. I am going to continue doing this, but um, I often think about that. I thought, oh, if it's this terrible, you know, like, for example, when I did this in Washington, D.C., 300 people there, parents of children with epilepsy, and I said, raise your hand if you've been bullied in school. Well, in front of people from Capitol Hill, and it's very intimidating, people thought no one would raise their hand, and 30 young people raised their hand. And they all came to the mic saying, they call me seizure freak, seizure dog, they spit on me, and went through all this. It is, I'm thinking to myself, this has to start at the earliest possible age to change how they think. Well, well and I think we, also in addition to that, we're not only talking about just impacting, you know, young people with apparent disabilities, and I don't even want to say visible disabilities because we know not all disabilities are visible, but young people with learning disabilities, young people with disabilities like epilepsy that might not be apparent from the get-go. And those are the young people who are terrified of disclosing their disability, who are terrified of being stigmatized. You know, I think we've, we've stigmatized special ed, you know, so significantly that we've, in effect, you know, made young people ashamed to have a disability. Um, and so this is also designed so that, you know, you're learning about leaders within the learning disabilities community. You're learning about leaders and, and the history of the mental health disability movement. <coughs> So that that young man in a classroom in South Texas who gets teased because he has to leave class twice a day to take medication for his depression doesn't feel ashamed to say, I am a person with a disability. And it goes further than that. Of the 130 interviews that we've had of, uh, of people under 30 years old, even in the post-EDA, it's still very relevant of expectations. There's a subtle social stigma of it's okay to lower the expectations for kids with disabilities, and that's uh, the, one of the most difficult jobs of being a parent is keeping those expectations as high as all your all, all your other children's expectations. And and I I had no idea that it was so strong until I started interviewing uh, 130 from 90 cities uh, that it's a coast to coast issue. Oh. Believe me, it is a coast-to-coast issue, and it is so exciting to see that you're doing something like this. It really is. So now, at this point in time, then, Scott, how many people have you interviewed right now? Right now, we're up to 847 from 90 cities. 847 people. And who did you say? Who was your first person? Oh, we started go to the top. That's what you have to teach your kids, so we started uh, in... Boston with Fred Fay and Elmer Bartell. Uh, Fred Fay, the founder of Justice for All with Justin Dart yes. and Becky Ogle. And Elmer Bartell, the only VR director to go through seven administrations, four Republicans and three Democrats since 77. Uh, so, and then Basically, the first 31 were all friends of Ed Roberts, who was the first, you know, VR director uh, with a severe disability from California in 1975. And but, and but as Rebecca has pointed out, if you were going to a lot of the schools to start talking about all these people, they'd be saying, including to young people with disabilities, they would say, "Who are you talking about?" Well, and Joyce, I went to the same. I went to Ed Roberts' high school in Burlingame, California. Yes. 
Um, and, you know, that was also the same high school that when I walked in and met with my guidance counselor, he looked at me and said, kids like you don't go here. Yet they had a picture of Ed Roberts in the Career Center as a member of the esteemed alumni. You know, so I think even in schools where they do have knowledge of it, it, it still is so segregated. And our first parent we interviewed was Zona Roberts. Is that right? Well, we have to keep the standards high. Yeah, well, um, how I know you're right on, both of you, is that at the first class when I teach, and they, they did, learning disabilities, blind, all various disabilities, but when I, at that Bender Leadership Academy, you know, people always say, well, you, you know, because I'm very strict, at the, strict with the students, you know, you do this, you'll be thrown out of the class, that kind of strict, and you know what? At the end of this class, I am so attached to all these students. They all still keep in touch with me. There's never been one student that has said, oh, Miss Bender, you were too mean to me or too strict to me. You know why? Because no one ever said, oh, you need to be treated equal. You know, stand up and be counted just like everyone else. That's one of the, that's why I'm so glad we have Rebecca because she can make a change. I believe that. So, Scott, tell me this. During your interview so far, what has impacted you the most? That is such a difficult question because I, I knew this really would be a hard every way. interview I get impacted. And, and oh, wait what, a minute! Before you tell me that, I forgot to ask you: Did you do Yoshiko Dart? Yoshiko doesn't do interviews. I'm going to save her for the thousandth one. See, I, I know she doesn't because, Yoshiko, I know you're listening to the show. I know Yoshiko. Yoshiko, Yoshiko, I want to tell you, I'm determined to get you on this show. <laughs> See, I've, I've been trying to get her on the show. Luck. She doesn't want to be on the show, but I dare Dart has been on the show, you know, See, every July. Where... And I just want to say about Yoshiko Dart, she is the real deal. She is. She is. Rebecca, how many young people has she impacted? You know, I think... We, honestly, this project would not be possible if it weren't for the support of Yoshiko. Um, she really made her mission. I remember several years ago, her and I sitting down um, after the first time I met her, in which I was absolutely terrified and mortified because I'd never, I never thought I was going to meet Yoshiko Dart, and then I ended up sitting in a meeting next to her. Um, and, you know, Yoshiko has really found her mission to be empowering the next generation of leaders in the disability community. And we've been so fortunate to, of, of, of her support. <coughs> and I've, I'm a perfect example of that. I ran out of uh, money for tape, which is very expensive since I use broadcast tape, uh, a few months back. And I called Yoshiko, and she got me another, more tape to do 100 more voices. So, uh, And she's come to uh, uh, support this project in many ways. But I want to bring this also in. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Into the conversation about Justin Dart. All right, wait. Let's talk about Justin when we come back because we're going to be going to break. And I do not want to miss one second when we're talking about Justin Dart. Hey, Yoshiko, I'm still going to get you on the show. Just letting you know that. Okay, we're going to break right now. This is... Joyce Bender, we are talking to Scott Cooper and Rebecca Hare. This is such a great program. Tell all your friends they can go back and listen to it on the archives. We'll be right back.
I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at BornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. We are talking to Scott Cooper, the founder of It's Our Story, who worked with Miss Rebecca Hare. Rebecca, I know you are not confirmed, but if and when confirmed, what is your title? I will be the special assistant to the assistant secretary at OSERS, and I actually don't have to go through Senate confirmation. I'm a Schedule C appointment. All right, ready? Are you listening? Woo! We are so happy, Rebecca. We're going to really be celebrating when you get... See, this is what it's all about, though, as Tony Quello always says. Seeing people with disabilities move into those positions, like Christine Griffin, like Rebecca, like Kathy Martinez. Do you know what I mean? How can we make a difference if we're not at the top? Okay, now that I've destroyed everyone's hearing listening to the show, except all my great other friends, and by the way, so you all know this, you know, I not only have epilepsy, I have a 60% hearing loss, but this show is always, every show, real-time caption, because I would never leave out our friends from the deaf community. Okay, I think you have a story for me. 
Yes, I just wanted to bring up Justin and Yoshiko's uh, uh, contribution to this project and, and uh, inspiration. Uh, back in the 80s, for those of you who don't know, Justin went to 50 states and he visited the 50 states twice and he went around and took testimonials. Well, we've located the testimonials and we plan on digitizing these so our 100 cities uh, will be like a 20-year retrospective on what Justin's work was done back in the 80s. Uh, just to, And that's why it's being linked into the 20th anniversary of the ADA, because that was such critical work uh, that he did for the community uh, to bring this story um, to Congress. And, and uh, for any of those, I've interviewed probably... 400 people that have actually uh, went to the testimonials, and as Justin was traveling around the country, and and they were uh, uh, one of the highlights of most people's lives was to be a part of that uh, two-year journey that Justin and Yoshiko traveled throughout the nation to bring our story back to the policymakers. You know what? A lot of people don't know that. You know, that they did this on their own. They they did this on their own. That is just the most awesome story. I'm always so impressed with everything they did, everything Justin did in Yoshiko, and everything Yoshiko continues to do. And Yoshiko, we are with you all the time, 100%. So, Scott and Rebecca, what do you both hope will happen from It's Our Story. Go ahead, Rebecca. Youth first. Um, you know, for me, the dream would be to see It's Our Story in the Library of Congress, in every library, in every community, to have It's Our Story as part of what, what we're requiring um, in terms of inclusion of disability history as part of K-12 public education. You know, but even broader than that, I think part of my dream for It's Our Story, and I know Scott and I have already been working on this, is to go beyond the disability community, is to get the perspective of the broader civil rights movement as, you know, as it relates to the inclusion of disability rights as part of the civil rights struggle of our country, um, you know, included as, in terms of tapping folks like Wade Henderson from the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights and other individuals you know, to give their perspective on where we're on where the disability rights movement needs to go as a movement. You know, I think I think you know this this project is limitless in terms of its potential. Um, you know, one of the things that I think Scott's been very clear about is our goal is to get to a thousand interviews, not to stop at a thousand interviews, but to get to a thousand interviews. You know, and considering one out of every four or five people in this country will experience disability at some point in their lifetime. That's a heck of a lot of interviews still to go. And the, and not only does it, it just begins at a thousand because the way the the way the website is set up, it's set up to be interactive. So not only do you listen to stories, you can make new stories from the old stories. So rather than people always ask, why don't you just make a movie? And I go, well, that would be my voice. And and movies, they have a life attention span of a week maybe in uh, around the around the water cooler and that I'm more interested in facilitating a dialogue in which everybody is able 
to produce a perspective, to use their own voice and facilitate change from their own backyards. That's why the 100 cities are are being uh, visited, because it's easier to change your neighbor's mind than it is maybe to change your policymaker's mind. And if we have Southerners talking to Southerners, you know, uh, uh, Californians talking to Californians, Idaho talking to Idahoans, and, and, and therefore and therefore, um, they can uh, learn how to use voice with the tools of today. And, and that's where the real power is. Rather than have one editor, you have a thousand, and that thousand produces ten thousand. And that's the magic of the Internet. Well, you know, you have a lot of work cut off for you there, Ed. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm losing my mind here. I have Ed Roberts on my mind. Scott, you have your work cut off for you because when you get done with this, guess what? There's a lot of voices throughout the world. This is what I always tell people. A seizure is a seizure no matter where you live. And I've tried to – I just went uh, to – I spent a month in – in uh, South America last year with my uh, uh, with Eric, my son, and South America was Patagonia, Machu Picchu, you know, Falkland Islands. They say, "Oh, chair can't go there." Well, it can. Chair, we did. There, chair did go there, though, huh? <laughs> yes, it did. Okay. Well, hey, I have a question. Actually, I'm gonna have both of you answer it, but it is from. A, a Linda in Illinois. Okay, here we go. Um, first of all, Mr. Cooper, thank you so much for this great project you're doing. It saddens me that people with disabilities do not get more attention nationally and we are not discussed more. My question for you is, how is that possible when there are over 50 million Americans with disabilities? Why do we not have more of a voice? Oh, just from my perspective, for me to free the voices, I have to, after the thousand are done, I have to find a way to raise anywhere between 700 to $900,000 just to make them accessible, captioned, audio described, programming that's not drag and drop that works with shift keys. We are so, we're not only the poorest of the poor, we for us to even communicate community to community, uh, we're we're priced out, and and I don't know exactly where that uh, initial million is going to come from, but I know it will somehow uh, manifest itself because uh, it's just the way I am. But hopefully, your listeners that do have ideas on how to uh, make that possible come to our website it's our story uh basically the easiest way is just to google it it's our story and scott cooper and and i'm always looking for executive power to approach the major foundations but i that's from a producer's viewpoint that i'm dealing with now on the other side of that question to so many people, disability is a life worse than death itself, and and the fear factor is is incredible in in so many parts of American society. Which uh, uh, until disability actually touches your family intimately or a friend, uh, 
uh, it's kept at arm's length. It's a, it could be almost a taboo subject unless it's framed in the inspirational story, you know. And uh, uh, there's a few inspirational stories out there, but it's basically living life as it should be, day in and day out, like the rest of uh, Americans have a right and access to. Okay, first of all, what is your website? Uh, it's a blog, actually, because it's uh, hosted by Blogspot, but it's the easiest thing to get to it is just do a Google search. It's our story and Scott Cooper, but the the blog address is dmi-us.blogspot.com. So that gets kind of lengthy, and the easiest way I tell people is just, it's our story, Scott Cooper, and it's the first Google hit. Okay. Joyce, can I touch yes. base on that question as yes, well? Yes, please. You know, I think the first thing is, is as a community, we don't vote. You know, that's a big piece. You know, um, we're not seeing politicians talk about the issues we care about. We're not seeing issues related to special education and increased participation of people with disabilities in the workforce addressed as an issue. And when you get down to it, large, you know, in, in part it's because we don't vote. The second thing I think is that, um, unfortunately, as a community, I think sometimes we've absorbed those lowered expectations. So people with disabilities think that to get the message out there, they should be on a reality show when, you know, reality TV stars don't have any power. The power is in, you know, who the directors are, who the um, producers are, you know, who the editor of a particular newspaper is. And so as a community, we need to say it's not good enough to sit there and have articles written about us or have stories done about us. We need to control the story because that's where the power is, and the power is where the money is. And so as a community, we need to better educate ourselves. And um, this you know, is, go this to grad where, This is where Rebecca and I have really focused on these are, these are hard job skills. Storytelling, marketing, journalism, movie making. And all we're trying to do is create a platform that you can, that we facilitate the storytelling. We're not doing the storytelling, but then from facilitating the storytelling, skills are created. So <clears throat> the message is ours and not the outside world. Well, with that, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be back to close the show with Scott Cooper and Rebecca Hare. Don't go away. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. 
To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Son, we got to talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE-TODAY. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We have Scott Cooper and Rebecca here with us today, and it's just so exciting. Scott, I really look forward to being in It's Our Story, and I want to tell you, to me, it will not only be an honor, but it will be part of history in the United States, and that's how it is for everyone. I do have one quick question before we move on. How can people help you? They can go to foundations, but they can also send you a check. Correct? Yes, we could go to victorpinedafoundation.org and then also on the blog, which we mentioned earlier, on dmi-us.blogspot.com. Both of those have PayPal links. And Victor Pineda, I wish he could have joined us today, but he uh, is our managing director uh, and recent award winner for the Hearn Award. But... uh, Evidently, landlines in Dubois are a little bit hard to find right now. Well, he can get back on, but the next time we talk about this, and I will throughout the year, I want to encourage people to remember that. It takes money to move forward. Victor Pineda, is it VictorPinedaFoundation.org? Pineda Foundation. PinedaFoundation.org. Remember what he said, Google, Scott Cooper, um, when you find Google, with it's, it's our, our story. story and go in there, you're going to see all of this information. But I'll keep reminding you about and it. There'll also be two and a half hours of of voices just answering one question: Why is this so important? And it's 61 responses to that, and just shows one third of one percent of the content uh, collected. But uh, those will be in the video albums. Okay. Well, um, Scott, I think was there something you wanted to talk about specifically? 
about the people that you uh, talk to? Um, well, it's such a diverse cross section. I had. I know. I mean, the people you have on the uh, website, the people giving those those answers, were they the were they the first people you talked to then? No, they were the ones that uh, we've asked about 250 questions, and we cover 10 themes, uh, broad thematic areas from you know uh, family and friends, education, investment, employment, and on and on. But there was this one question that we asked: is why does America need to know our history? And that one question was answered 61 different times, in which we showed a simulated search on the diversity of when you ask a question and then you get a cross you know you, you get a cross section of society and disability answering that question uh why it is so important for our community to uh have a history and to share it with America and my answer would be because we are you and if we aren't you we will be it's coming now i ask this next question to everyone that's been on the show over the past five years. I'm going to ask both of you. Uh, we'll start with you, Rebecca. You have already achieved this woman. She is just, oh, my God. If you don't know Rebecca here, you missed out because she's like a walking dynamo at all times, filled with energy. Uh, Rebecca is also intelligent, talented, and has great leadership skills. But she's received awards, everything. Now you see she's been uh, nominated for a position um, in the Obama administration, I want to ask you, Rebecca, what is, in your opinion, your greatest accomplishment? Um, I would say that my greatest accomplishment will be um, when disability history and awareness is signed into a federal law by President Obama in the next eight years. Oh, we're going to be behind that. Did you hear her? I hope you're all listening. Hello? Hey, Hello? Scott. Oh, hi. I'm... I think we lost Joyce. Oh, okay. It seems to be going in and out of my end. Is it going in and out on your end? Yes. I hear you, Scott. Oh, oh okay. Great. Yeah, I hear you the whole time. What, you, what is your greatest accomplishment? You know, Joyce, that's one of my favorite questions to ask myself because it can go <laughs> so many ways. And... Uh, and I really believe my greatest accomplishment is just having a lovely family and and uh, being blessed that they allow me to do the work that I do because it's been about 600 road days uh, away from my family in the last four years uh, going out and getting the story. But uh, the greatest accomplishment is I hope I don't, I don't I hope I haven't seen it yet. Because I've had so many uh, to to be blessed by, and and I that's a really good question, and I hate it being turned on me. <laughs> now I know what it feels like. Yes, now you know. Normally, it's you doing all this, huh? Yes, yes, indeed. You know, I, I think the greatest accomplishment is just being here on Earth, breathing. I, I remember this small little sign in, in Lansing, Michigan. It, it was needlepoint in the bookshelf. 
It was very tiny, but you know how needlepoint, you always know people put a lot of care into it. And as I got closer, because I'm blind in one eye and the other eye doesn't see too well, it says, if you're not breathing, nothing much matters. And that's that's uh, probably the simple way of just taking it day by day and doing what we can with what we got where we are. Okay, well, listen, If what message would you like to leave today with our listeners? We'll start with you, Rebecca. I think if there's any message, it can be that, you know, this movement, the movement that disability history required in schools, was started by 20 young people with disabilities in the state of West Virginia. Um, and in each of these states, it's being moved by young people. Um, you know, this this movement, the movement that, you know, we, we are so attached to, the movement that we're all so passionate about, was built on the backs of its young people. Ed Roberts was 22 when he founded the first bill. Judy was in her 20s when she founded Disa uh, Disabled in Action, you know, her first disability rights organization. Justin Dart was in college when he founded the first pro-desegregation group at, at the university he was at in Texas. And so I think the biggest thing would be to empower our next generation um, to claim their stories and to claim our stories as part of the broader movement of the disability rights movement. And how about you? We only have about a minute to go here, Scott. Well, with, what a, is minute, your with a minute, I'm just going to reinforce what Rebecca said and put it into my generations, which is definitely well-heeled in the baby boomers. I really believe it's our responsibility to create information that the younger generation uses. Of all my 130 interviews, they basically put up their BlackBerry or their iPhone and they say, if it doesn't come through this, you're not getting to me. And I know it's complex to to deal with these new technologies and everything, but it's necessary if we're going to continue to be a living history and not just a footnote to history. Yeah. Well, you know, and I know I've seen this, I think, on Rebecca's uh email, but for all those listening, remember how he started all this with uh, Ed Roberts' friends? So our quote is when they said to Ed Roberts, you should hope he dies because if he lives, he'll be no more than a vegetable for the rest of his life. How would you like to live in an iron lung 24 hours a day? And the answer from Ed Roberts is, so I decided to be an artichoke. A little prickly. I said a little prickly on the outside, but with a big heart. You know the vegetables of the world are uniting, and we're not going away. Oh, You're the man, Scott. We're behind you. Scott Cooper, get behind him. Go to Google, get behind him. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 